0: The meeting begins. The board is gathered around the table with the recent financial statements staring them in the face. In the past six months, the company has been taking a terrible hit from competitors. The marketing division looks at the production division, who looks at the marketing, at the design team. Everyone is trying to figure out what is next. The chair of the board guides them through an analysis of the situation and they begin to strategize about their options. Suddenly, the door bursts open and in walks a junior executive who had left her Yeti coffee mug in the corner the previous day. Embarrassed totally by her intrusion, she turns to leave and the chair of the board says, No, 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 stay. We need some fresh ideas. The meeting continues. The junior executive is so impressed by the team of strategists, so much wisdom, so much knowledge. She gets excited to be part of the team, and, and even though she feels inadequate to the task of helping them turn the company around, she believes in the product. She has a vision of what can be. And when the chairwoman asks Who will represent us to the public? Whom shall I send? The junior executive jumps to her feet and says, here I am, send me. So it's 742 BCE, and in a vision, Isaiah stumbles into a strategy meeting. God is with the heavenly court trying to decide how to get human beings to listen. God is disgusted with the lack of social justice. God is tired of their disobedience. God is looking for a fresh new way to get them to listen and to grasp the divine desire for righteousness and obedience and faithfulness. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us, God asks. And Isaiah jumps up and says, here I am, send me. This morning's text is from the book of Isaiah. As many of us know, this Old Testament prophecy is in at least two parts. The portion that we are reflecting on this morning is what scholars have identified as First Isaiah. It is chapters 1 through 39 and was probably recorded sometime during Isaiah's prophesying to Judah and Jerusalem between 742 and 701 BCE. This is the pre-exile period for the southern kingdom of Judah. During Isaiah's prophecy, around 721, the northern kingdom of Israel is taken into exile. Judah... Judah is not far behind in terms of the sins of the people. They are such a disappointment to God. God struggles with what should be done, so a board meeting of the heavenly court is called to order, and Isaiah happens upon it. In fact, this meeting occurs in the setting of the temple. And Isaiah has this marvelous moment of worship when he says, I saw the Lord. This experience is so intense that he immediately lowers his eyes from looking at the almighty throne and he describes the clothing that God is wearing and provides a description of the heavenly creatures that are surrounding the throne. It is, it is too much for Isaiah to try to even attempt to describe Almighty God. This moment is so humbling that Isaiah realizes how unworthy he is. Woe is me. I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And yet, even still, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, Throughout the Old Testament, the tradition was that if one actually looked upon the Lord, one would immediately die. It would be too much of a shock for the human heart to survive. But here, in the temple, Isaiah is granted the privilege of seeing God and living to tell about it. As Isaiah is consumed by his unworthiness, a heavenly being comes and touches his lips with a burning coal. A confirmation class that I was teaching several years ago was studying this text, and with visions of a burning coal touching lips, one of those wise 7th graders said, Sometimes, Fred, forgiveness is painful. I was like, whoa. (laughs) We can write that one down. Why? Why is it painful? It's because we know that we have done wrong. We stand ready to be judged for it, but when we ask God to forgive, God is ready to do it, to cleanse us from all wrong. And then, as our liturgy often describes, we are forgiven and freed And because we are forgiven, we are then freed to forgive others in God's name. The Presbyterian Church USA Board of uh, Pensions has the Blue Cross Blue Shield Medical Insurance Program. And it decreases the deductible that if you complete a call to health each year, we can earn 25 reward points towards the 1,000 point goal, when we practice forgiveness. The website includes a lot of information about that, but this is part of it. Psychologists define forgiveness as a deliberate decision to release negative feelings toward a person who has offended you, regardless of whether they deserve forgiveness. Forgiving others, it says, takes time and practice Here are five research-based strategies for tapping into your capacity to forgive using both your heart and your head. Number one, allow yourself to fully see how you've been offended. Do not minimize it. Number two, when ready, set the intention to forgive. Number three. Understand that your sense of grievance is distinct from the original offense and that it's your choice to continue to hold on to or to let go that sense of grievance. Number four, choose compassion. Remembering your common humanity with that person makes it easier to let go of resentment. And number five, look for the love, beauty, and kindness around you. Notice and appreciate what you have rather than what you don't have. And then it concludes, did you know, wild animals forgive too. Apes, goats, dolphins, and hyenas all tend to reconcile after conflicts by rubbing horns, their flippers, or fur, Typical conciliatory gestures. I wonder if we, like, do something like that during the passing of the peace, you know? For the, prophet, for the prophet Isaiah, forgiveness is tangible. It is a burning coal touching his lips, and at the moment of touch, he is set free from brokenness. I wonder. I wonder... If the same can be experienced by you and me when the bread and the cup touch our lips at the Lord's table. Do we marvel at how much God loves us because God was willing to send Jesus to live with us, teach us, heal us, love us, die for us, rise for us, reign in power for us, pray for us? Can we, can we ever do enough to deserve such love? This table represents God's amazing grace and unconditional love. Cleansed. By God, Isaiah listens as God's strategy develops. I need someone, God says, who will go and speak my word to the people. Who will it be? And without a moment's hesitation, Isaiah raises his hand boldly and says, Here am I, send me. This begins a long and risky ministry of delivering God's prophetic word to a people who do not want to hear it. But Isaiah remains faithful to the call. This is a remarkable call story in Isaiah's prophecy, but what does it mean? What does it mean for us? Perhaps God is ready to cleanse you this morning as the bread and the cup touch your lips. And in that very moment, as you experience the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you, be open. Be open to God's cleansing power. Perhaps the Lord wants us to catch a small glimpse of God's essence through the eyes of our hearts this morning. And maybe seeing God leads us to serving God Boldly. Perhaps God's spirit is leading you into a whole new area of ministry. You've been discerning, you've been praying, and now you know God is calling you. You need to say, here am I, send me. Our Tuesday shower ministry needs additional volunteers. Is this the moment that you feel called to say Here I am, send me. Yes, yes, I would be humbled to serve. Your nominating committee here at Second Press has just completed a remarkable journey. It was so positive because as some among you were asked to prayerfully consider serving on the pastor nominating committee if elected, nine of you said yes. Yes, here I am, send me. For those who said a holy and sacred no, it is because you prayerfully determined that this was not the right time for you or your family. And that is absolutely beautiful. Following completion of the mission study with Holy Cal Consulting, the nominating committee will present to you the congregation, the nine names for election to the pastor nominating committee who will begin the sacred journey of seeking a pastor to nominate to you as a congregation to serve as your pastor and head of staff. At Second Press, we know that God's call often leads us into our community with a mission. We invite members to respond to God's call through Monday's walk-in ministry or Tuesday's shower ministry or Wednesday's adult handbells or chancel cry. Right, Jeff? Yes, chancel choir, absolutely. That's on Wednesdays. See Jeff, please. Or Sundays, family worship with communion that began today and will continue the first Sunday of each month at 10 o'clock in the chapel. It was amazing the opportunity we had to be together today with the children and their families. At other times, God calls and leads us into national ministry like Union Presbyterian Seminary or the Young Adult Volunteer Program or relief efforts in the aftermath of a hurricane or tornado or wildfire or flood. For Isaiah, his national ministry led him to serve for 40 years in Judah, trying to get the people to listen to God. And sometimes God's call takes us far away, like Guatemala or Haiti or Costa Rica or Africa. Jesus said, go, go and make disciples of all nations. On this World Communion Sunday, we think of those who have said, here I am, send me. We think of those whose call has sent them far beyond their national shores. And we praise God for people like the Reverend Ditawa Nianda from Nigeria, who served a, a Presbyterian church in Norfolk, Virginia, a man who, having been led to Christ through Presbyterian mission outreach in Nigeria, felt called of God to come to America to guide us closer to our walk with God. Isn't that beautiful? We're all part of this family. Hundreds, thousands, millions of people have heard God's question, whom shall I send, and have responded, here am I, send me. That is God's strategy. To call, to cleanse, to send us into all the world to bring the gospel of peace. Thanks be to God. The prayer of commitment today was written by John Renville in 1879. He was the first Native American Dakota to be ordained to the Presbyterian ministry. And we find the English translation of his Dakota version in hymn 441. But I'm going to pray this in English. But I want you to listen to the message from John Renville. All the sins we have committed to our Savior now we bring. We bow down with tears of anguish. Christ forgives, and so we sing. Jesus Christ, how much we love you. Jesus Christ, you saved from sin. How we love you. Look upon us. Love us still and cleanse within. Amen.